Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so we want to just go ahead and get started. Why not? Hold on. For, Drew, are you stoned? No, no, no. Unfortunately not. <laughs> Good thing we didn't get that on the recording. <laughs> Maybe I'm that's how we should start this. the episode. <laughs> okay, so everybody shut up while I do the introduction. <laughs> All right, I'll turn off my mic. Everybody, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Hammer and Rails podcast. Uh, this is going to be the sad edition after we just watched Purdue lose on Thursday. Some of us, of course, had uh, better seats than others. Um, I am Jumbo Heroes, going to be kind of leading it today. Uh, Fearless Leader is off once again. Uh, having children will will cause some issues from time to time. So I don't think we can call him Fearless right now because he is so scared of IU making a big run. Okay, well, okay, that is true. That is true. So uh, we're all fe- scared, though. Leader I don't really is care. scared. Oh, I care so much. I care. <laughs> so uh, in addition to myself, we've got Drew, we've got Casey, and we've got Juan. So we're gonna kind of jump right in just to uh, the game itself, and we wanted to start out with Drew since he actually covered the game for us. So he was there, uh, actually in the arena, and saw the collapse firsthand. So Drew, what are your thoughts of that uh, that basketball game we all watched on Thursday? It was just a really weird game to watch. At no point in until the very end did it even feel like um little rock was like really making a uh, push to you know challenge purdue i didn't even realize it until i looked up at the scoreboard uh with about a minute and a half left i didn't even realize they were uh, you know it was a three-point game it just felt like a game that purdue had i don't little rock didn't play particularly well on offense other than just having one guy go insane 
And so it wasn't like they were running great plays and running great offense. It was just uh, Hagen's couldn't miss, and we couldn't stop him right at the end. It does kind of seem like that's almost always how it goes when Purdue loses a game, and we don't really know how. You you look down at the stats, and you see one guy who, who just plays out of his mind. You know, it could be a star like back when Evan Turner was in Ohio State, um, and he would just blow us away uh, in Mackey, but... You know, you, you don't expect something like that to happen when you're playing University of Arkansas Little Rock. I mean, no offense to University of Arkansas Little Rock. I mean, hats off to them. They made the shots when it mattered, but you just you don't expect that to happen when you're playing a team like them. But um, I mean, I guess by now we should all expect it in a way when we're watching the tournament every year. There's always someone who comes on and comes on and hits those ridiculous shots. I mean, was it Ali Farouk Manesh? He's the one who I always think of from uh, northern Iowa a few years back that just, you know, lit the tournament on fire with those ridiculous shots. Uh, unfortunately, Purdue was just kind of the, the brunt of it this season in, in this particular game. Casey, what would you think watching that one on TV? Well, first of all, Haggins was the guy that went off, and his numbers were insane. He had 31 points, yeah, five steals, six assists, seven rebounds. He was 10 of 20 from the floor. The three threes, we held their team to under 40% shooting and they only made nine of 27 threes. So it's not like our defense played poorly, but the, the game was pretty much a microcosm of the entire season. All the little issues that we had flared up ball control, inconsistent shooting when people, you know, they were triple teaming our post and we just had no counters. So when it all works together, like in this perfect storm where they literally made every crazy shot at the end and we just couldn't get anything, it's hard to like quantify what kind of loss it was, except the fact that we've been through it so many times now. Juan, you have anything to add to maybe your most disappointing facet of watching that game? Ah, oh, man, it's just, I don't know what to say, really. Like, I'm still in shock over it. Like, in my mind on Saturday, I was like, oh, when does Purdue play? Oh, right. <laughs> That's a sad realization. <laughs> or it was like when I had to delete, like, all those, like, reaction gifts that we used throughout the year on Twitter. And it's like they were all saved on my desktop. And when I had to delete all of them, I'm like, oh. It really is over, isn't it? Right. Um, so I guess Purdue is just a victim of the typical thing that's happened this entire season. Like, Team Chaos is the champion this year, obviously. I mean, this is what the this is the most lowest double digit seats to ever win in the first round. That wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And I mean, Purdue's numbers they were decent. I mean, it's typical from what we've seen all year. But <sighs> I, I'm just at a loss for words still. I think the team, they really were just, after the under four timeout, I think they were looking ahead to Iowa State, and Arkansas Little Rock took took advantage of that. I mean, well, I know I was I was looking toward Northern <laughs> Iowa. I mean, I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter. With, like, under four minutes to go in the game, I said, now just got to take care of the ball for the next four minutes, and it's on to Northern Iowa. So Iowa State, fault. not Iowa Northern State, Iowa. whoever, whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the team we were going to play, the least of the worries at this point. But, yeah, I looked back at that after the game was over, and I was like, well, that was a real stupid tweet, wasn't it? Uh -huh. But, I mean, we're up 13 with under four minutes to go. <laughs> Against Arkansas Little Rock. <laughs> yeah. Drew, I'm curious. You were at the games. So you got to go into the locker room and see the kids like we can imagine how sad it was. But like specifically, you know, Rafael Davis, how was just the atmosphere? I actually didn't make it into the locker room. Oh, I went not? out. No, I went out for the uh, press conference instead. Ah. 
I can tell you that uh, Dakota and Vince were very upset. It was weird. Those were the two that they uh, they gave us for the uh, press conference. Um, so we didn't see uh, Davis or Hammonds out there answering questions. Yeah, I'm sure they were trying to protect them. Yeah, it's probably a composure issue. I mean, we forget sometimes that these are just kids. You know, these are guys who are still in college, just going through everything that we went through in college. But then in addition to that, they got to go through the scrutiny of of being um, college basketball players. So it, it can't be easy. They did show a little bit of video of Painter after giving a little pep talk. That was probably the least inspiring thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I, I missed that. What did, I don't know what he said. Pretty much. He just said this sucks for our seniors. And we shouldn't go out like this, but we did. I can't argue with that. Which, that's the elephant in the room and our next topic. Like, Uh, Well, before we do that, we have more. Well, one thing I want to say about the game, and I think it bears mentioning, and I know, I think Casey, you touched on it a little bit. I mean, just the lack of touches for A.J. Hammonds in the second half. It was almost criminal. I mean, you can go through the play-by-play and look at when he took a shot and when he went to the free throw line. I mean, you look in that second half and his name just vanishes uh, at about 16 and a half minutes. uh, He made a dunk to put Purdue up by eight. And then uh, he missed a shot with about 15 minutes left. But then, I mean, he's barely mentioned in the play-by-play for the next 15 minutes of the game. And that's a shame because that's gonna. this is going to be the last game he ever plays for Purdue. And if we only could have gotten him the ball two, three more times in that second half in good position, we win the game. The thing I mean, was, Little Rock was just absolutely... If Johnny Hill was on the floor and he was for a while there, they just ignored him. Oh, yeah, him. they didn't guard him. They had three guys in the paint before Hammonds even thought about getting position. Right. And they just dared our guys to shoot, and we just did not make enough. We made a few, and that's how we got up. And then late in the game, just you get a little tired. Hammonds didn't get a rest, despite you know, no touches. He didn't get a rest for the last 10 minutes of regulation, I believe. Right. And so he's gassed up in the altitude, and our whole team just looked tired. It's reminiscent of the Butler game earlier in the year where we just had no counters to them fronting. And so we just kept trying to do the same thing, and it just stalled out and stalled out. I was surprised that they didn't start pulling AJ out of the post and letting him hit jump shots because we just they had to find some way to get him the ball, and he was getting hammered in the back every time he tried to post up. I was just surprised we didn't move him around a little bit more instead of just parking him in the post and letting him get beat on. Yeah, because that's become such a big part of his game the last uh, year and a half is the ability to step out and hit that that longer jumper than you expect a guy his size to do. But we didn't see a whole lot of that um, for whatever reason uh, against Arkansas Little, Little Rock. So anybody got any final thoughts on this game before we move on to uh, topic number two? I don't want to cut off discussion or anything. Just sadness. Yeah. I, but I sad. Yeah, I, sadness I, indeed. I, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. I know it was mentioned earlier, but you have to give Hagen's credit for that three-pointer with four seconds left. I mean, mm. he's, what, two feet behind the line and just drilled it? I mean, you don't expect him to make that. So it was uh, it's just tough. So frustrating to see us lose in the first round of the tournament two years in a row to games that we should have won. I mean, without any doubt, we should have beat Cincinnati last year, um, and we should have beat Arkansas Little Rock this year. We had the games won and just found a way to lose. You know, we found a way to give the game away, and that's, that's more frustrating, I think, than getting blown out, uh, at least to me. Uh, because it doesn't, at least when you when you get blown out, you never have that hope. Whereas in these last two games in the tournament, we just, you know, you look at it and you're like, okay, we're going to win. 
and then they just pull the rug out from under you. It's so frustrating. <clears throat> it's kind of like the VCU loss, Etwan and Jawan's senior year. Like VCU just completely ran Purdue out the door. Oh uh, yeah, off the court. So at least like with five minutes left, you're like, oh, okay, whatever. Purdue's gonna lose. I might as well, you know, get the crying started now and whatnot. <clears throat> and at least then VCU went on to the Final Four. Like they were just hot. No one was stopping them. Oh yeah, yeah they were just but a then, bad matchup. Yeah, and to see Little Rock get blown out by Iowa State yesterday, it's like great. That that could have been Purdue playing against Iowa State and probably would have matched up well. And you know, we could have been talking about. Purdue, IU, and Notre Dame going to the Sweet 16. Maybe. I mean, who knows? It's a whole can of can of worms opening up what-ifs there. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think you're that far off. I mean, if you look at what would have happened had Purdue been able to pull out this game. As they say, if ifs and buts were candy nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. So, moving on. Um, is that what they say? <laughs> yeah. That is, what, that is what they <laughs> who say. Who says this? Uh, Homer, Homer Simpson says that uh, every now and then on Simpsons. Is that and just a DC thing, like an no, East Coast hey, that thing? Is a real, that is a real expression. So, speaking of a DC thing, this can I this has to stay on the podcast. This better not get edited out, Juan. I will come to Michigan and find you. We went, uh, my wife and I okay, went to... I have a second bedroom. Oh, there you go. So my wife and I went to a housewarming party yesterday, and it was it was in Maryland, so it was a bunch of people who grew up in Maryland or D.C. or Virginia. Like, a handful of them had no idea what puppy chow was. What? I've yeah. What? <laughs> my girlfriend didn't know what it was from Jersey. She really? knew what it was, but they didn't call it puppy chow. I, well, they didn't even know what it was. Like, they the somebody made a big bowl of it, and it was at the at the party... And I was like, oh, man, Puppy Chow, I love it. And I'm just like shoveling this stuff in my mouth, eating my grief over the Purdue loss still. <laughs> and and they're like, it looks like dog food. I go, yeah, that's why it's called Puppy Chow. They're like, it looks gross. And then they tried it. and They're like, this is the most amazing thing ever. I had no idea that Puppy Chow was not like a nationwide phenomenon. I don't really like Puppy Chow. Just going to put it out there. Well, you're a terrible human being. <laughs> I don't mind puppy chow, but like in middle school and high school, like every week, this, whoever was a student of the week had to bring in a treat. And every other week it was puppy chow. And, you know, it's great. But when you have it so often, it, it kind of loses it. You, you kind of lose a taste for it after a while. So, but yes, wait, so the student of the week yeah, had to bring in treats I, for everyone? What kind was, of prize was, is that? It was like they should all be feeding balls. him. You win an award and you then have to bring in the treat. What well, is that? Well, everyone gets to be like student of the week once a week. It really was nothing special, but horrible. They punish you. Uh, but <laughs> so, okay, off my my rant of puppy chow. Topic number two uh, for this podcast is going to be what uh, we all thought of the job Matt Painter did uh, in the game and overall in the season. Uh, because I think after the game, you can see on Twitter, you can see on message boards and our comment section on the website, you pretty much have people fall into one of two camps. Either, you know, the irrational Painter is the worst coach uh, in the history of Purdue basketball. He should have been fired four years ago. He kicked my dog once. Or you get the people who, you know, try to take it from a more rational approach and say, you know, it wasn't his best year. It wasn't his best game by any means, but he he still is a good coach. Where do you guys fall kind of in that argument 
Um, and I'll start with Drew since he was, like I said, he was at the game, got more of a firsthand experience of what was going on. Um, I just think Painter, Painter ran out of ideas in the second half. We just couldn't figure it out. The trap was bothering us, so we decided to take Biggie off the floor and put in an extra ball handler. That didn't help that much, and um, that's what the uh, – Little Rock coach said he was hoping, but didn't think he had a chance to see Purdue do, would be to go small and try to match up with him. Painter did not do a great job, uh, even managing towards the end of the game where AJ's on uh, Haskett's that uh, technical foul or a flagrant foul. Flagrant, yeah. Flagrant, and then you never see him again. Like he's just on the bench for the rest of the game. Uh, you don't see Biggie any in the last part of the game. And so basically your season's resting on Ryan Klein and Dakota Mathias playing major minutes down the stretch. And um, I'm not sure that's a good thing. What about uh, what about the season overall, Drew? What do you think uh, of his performances here? Same problems. It just seems like sometimes he runs out of ideas and just keeps doing the same thing over and over again. He's got no change up. If fastball's not working, that's okay. it. All right. What do you think, Casey? It's kind of like some coaches are playing checkers and some coaches are playing chess. I don't want to say he doesn't know how to play chess, but he's definitely better at checkers. <laughs> like what he <laughs> that's, like, that's like the nicest insult. <laughs> it's what he does. He does really well, but he has very limited creativity. And constantly this year, teams press us, not even just press, but they make us do things and we react to them instead of the other way around, particularly in this game. It really seemed like he panicked. Like we said, no Haas, no Swanigan at all. We just took our size advantage out. And if you do want to go small, which there is a small, you know, like reason to do that, why not go all the way small and give nice Hammonds a reason to do that? Nice job, Casey. A small reason to go small? Come on. That was perfect. <laughs> but if you're going to do that, why don't go? Why don't you go all the way with it? Put Swanigan in for Hammonds for two or three minutes. Give him a spell actually be small everywhere and see if that works. And at least you have a fresh Hammonds at the end. Also, when you're going to face a press at the end and you have to ice it with free throws, maybe you should have your two point guards out on the court since you've not played without them at all all year. And they're both 80% free throw shooters. Don't have the true freshman who's shooting 60% from free throws have to have the season on the line. Like there's just a lot of little things that did not make sense at all. And then the end call with Vince not being aware of the time. No, that was just so strange. There were, yeah, there, we just did not look prepared. And all year, we just haven't had counters to anything other people did to us. I think that's fair. Uh, Juan, what about you? Like, I'll admit, after the game was over, I was on the whole fire painter bandwagon sort of thing. And I'm sort of going to stand by my statements there. I'm just going to clarify a little bit. I think Painter's a good coach, but I don't think he's a great coach. Like, he's the sort of coach that he's going to get you to 20 wins somehow. But then when it comes to the postseason, it just always falls apart. He's just, I don't think he's going to be a good postseason coach. Like, people were, mim- were mocking, like, the fire painter people. It's like, oh, Coach Izzo lost. Uh, he should be fired then, too, by that logic. Well, the difference is that, you know, Izzo makes it to the Final Four with Michigan State every four years or so and makes it to national championship. Like, I'd have no problem if Purdue lost in this first round two years in a row if 
they had just won the national title or were going to make a Final Four run the next year. Because with coaches like Izzo and Coach K, like they can lose in the first round every now and then, but they'll be back easily next year. It's not going to be a blow. Whereas this one, it can be a huge blow. Like I'm still, I know I'm going to be talking about next season later on in the podcast, but like I'm still not feeling too confident about next season. And Painter just didn't realize along the whole team was like we said, it was just lost in those last three minutes. Like even though coaches can't call timeouts, like he should have signaled to his team, hey, call a timeout when Little Rock brought it within maybe like seven points rather than, you know, when there was only when it was only a three point deficit. And then realizing that like Vince and the rest of the team was lost there once Arkansas Arkansas Little Rock tied it up. So again, I mean, Painter could easily prove me wrong and maybe Purdue goes into the final four next year. And I will totally take back everything that I said. But I just don't think Painter is going to be the right coach if Purdue wants to have postseason success. Yeah, I think the the problem I have, is it goes along with what Casey said. It seemed so odd to me to take out both of your point guards uh, at the end of the game, have either Matthias or Edwards or, you know, some combination uh, running the point when that's not something we've ever seen all year. It, it just seemed such a weird place to experiment with this new idea when the game is on the line, you know, this team is surging back at you and then you decide to just throw in this weird change up that you've never used all year. I didn't really understand that. When you look at just the number of leads, double-digit second-half leads this team has lost this year, you are left scratching your head. I mean, a certain amount of that has to go to the opponents. You know, you have to give them some credit uh, at some point because there are two teams playing the game, and sometimes people forget that. You know, they think whatever, whenever something bad happens, clearly it's it's Purdue that blew it. But, you know, when you lose a lead to a team like Michigan State, as Purdue did during the regular season, you have to remember that Michigan State is a damn fine basketball team. Uh, you know, despite what their, their NCAA tournament game showed, they're a hell of a team. So you got to give them credit for that. But I'm probably more upset about Painter's coaching than I think I ever have been during his tenure. Um, you know, I've been a big Painter guy the whole time. So it, it's very disillusioning, I think, to me, because you have to wonder, is he going to be that guy that can take Purdue to that elusive next level that, you know, Joe Tiller was always talking about Purdue fans wanted to go to and and how hard it is to get to that elusive next level. So let me ask you guys this. Do you think Painter is the coach to get us to a final four or is it going to be something that when this new ad comes in that this new ad is is going to have to have a serious look around the department and a serious look around the country and say is there someone else i need to bring in i don't know who that would be yeah like, that's i mean that's a we fair talk point. about painter like yeah he's got his flaws but he also consistently puts out you know top 25 team yeah and 20 wins some season. success and it's really hard to focus just on tournament results the tournament is really dumb. When it comes to actually figuring out who the best teams are, it's a weird, wacky one-game elimination. Michigan State just lost a who-the-hell-ever. And <laughs> it's really hard to just focus on that and make that your logical reason to find someone new. The thing is, Purdue has a blueprint to be beaten. It's very clear. We all know what it is. The most damning thing is that still, at this point, you know, game 33 of the year or whatever it is, Painter hasn't created anything to alleviate alleviate us of our Achilles heel yet. And consistently throughout his tenure here, he hasn't. But he recruits well. He coaches defense really well. 
And I don't know. I don't think there's anyone like jump. We're not going to throw out a ton of money at some guy. The only guy that would make sense is Conzo. And he is having, you know, a little renaissance in California, better weather. Why would he want to come back? And how can you his team just lost in the first round? Well, I think I think if you are going to go get somebody, I think, like you said, Conzo is the logical choice. And I think he could be lured back home. Um, just based on you know the time he already has spent here at Purdue, uh, both as a player as a coach, uh, and you can tell that the time he spent at Purdue really truly meant a lot to him. So I think I'm, I'm not you know guaranteeing he'd be someone who you could pry away, but I think if if you have that opportunity, he's going to be the person you're going to want to look at first. I don't think Stallings would be someone you'd want given the struggle he's had um, where he's at now. He recruits really well for Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean... He's got like three legit NBA guys. And if you're talking about... A lot of this comes down to just if you have the alpha dog kind of player that can overcome these kind of things, it really helps, especially if you have one at like the guard position. Right, especially in the tournament. Right, because we... I mean, we're all pretty much... If we had John Octius this year, I think we all feel like we would have been a shoe-in for the Elite Eight. Oh, yeah. I mean, University of Arkansas Little Rock wouldn't have been a problem, I'll tell you that. And we probably lose three or four less games during the year and we're a one or two seed. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a completely different completely different scenario. The tournament would have been um, a whole heck of a lot different. We probably wouldn't even have played Little Rock. I think when you look at coaches, I want to look at the foundation he has. And right now, it's not like the cupboards are bare. We lost, but we look good going into next year. Okay, uh, Drew, what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we do look good going in. <laughs> we do look good going into next year. Um, we had that, you know, fall off, but he's back. Our, I mean, recruiting's back uh, up to shape, and uh, hopefully, we'll have to stop having to fill that one uh, point guard position with a yeah, transfer that would be great. every year. So hopefully, Edwards can come in and. Uh, take care of that but i just don't i don't think purdue is going to get rid of painter i don't think it would be the smart move to get rid of painter unless you brought in somebody truly elite and i'm not even sure Conzo's that much for the money you would have to spend to get him out of california i'm not sure he's that much better than matt painter if better at all they have the same flaws they run the same offense they have the same uh, reputation Painter has more success in the tournament than Conzo has over his uh, tenure. I mean, Conzo's got, what, one Sweet 16 that he got as as a team having to play in a play-in game. So I'm not sure he's the savior everyone makes him out to oh, be. Oh, no. No, not at all. But I think... I think people fall back on him simply because of his Purdue connection and the fact that he is probably the biggest name Purdue coach, so to say, Purdue guy from a coaching tree related to Purdue um, out there. They're doing well. You know, in a few years, who knows what we're what we're going to be looking at. But, you know, a coach I think you have to keep your eye on is definitely Link Darner out at Green Bay now. Just won the the uh, Division Two national title. And then in his first season at Green Bay, got him to the NCAA tournament. Um, granted, they lost. I mean, you know, you have to look at that as well. But um, seems like he's doing one heck of a job. So he's at least somebody to keep an eye on. But I, I agree with you guys. I mean, I don't think it's time to get rid of Painter. But I think it is, even even though the tournament is a crapshoot, it is what they're judged on. It's kind of the business they got into. Um, it pays well, and there's there's high stakes, and and it's a lot of work, and you can be screwed over by this 64 team tournament, well 68, um, that is just so randomized that you have very little chance of of getting to the final four in a year. But that's that's what you're judged on. So um, I feel like we 
also forgot that like last year we exceeded expectations just getting into the tournament, regardless of if we lost in the first round or not. No one thought we would make it there halfway through the season. Go back and hammer and rails and look at what I wrote midway through last year. <laughs> the whole season I was saying we're going to make the tournament. And I got yeah. just skewered by people on the board saying I was an idiot. Well, and I, Purdue had a pretty easy Big Ten conference schedule last season, too. I mean, they only had to play Wisconsin, Maryland, and Michigan State once, who were the other top four teams, while getting to play Rutgers twice. So, I mean, take last season. Last season's 12-6 and six was not as good as this season's 12-6, and six, at least. Yeah. I mean, playing Rutgers twice is good for what ails you. You know, it'll definitely boost that record. So... Uh, anybody got any final thoughts on Painter before we move into taking a look at next year? Nope, nope. We do want to take a look at the 2016-2017 Purdue Boilermaker basketball team and kind of get an idea of what we expect. Um, I know, I, I think Drew and Casey probably follow recruiting a little bit more than I do. Um, Juan, I'm not so sure um, if you follow it as well. No, but, I'm terrible at recruiting. Yeah, There's a reason I, mean, why I, I haven't touched it. Yeah, I mean, I know the guys. I, I read a little bit about them here and there, but I'm going to kind of leave uh, this, at least for the new recruits, to to Drew and, and Casey and see what you guys have to say about what we've got coming in and, and what they can replace and what you expect from them. Drew, have you gotten to see uh, Carson play. And, um, I, I haven't actually made made it to the full game. He, he's sort of around in my area, but just a scotch far away. Um, we should clarify: it's Carson Edwards, the the freshman we have yes. coming in next year. He okay. he is a true point guard, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. He is a true point guard. He's about six feet, maybe a little under, about 185 pounds, and he is. The point guard on one of the top uh, high school teams in the nation this year. Uh, do we have? Uh, do you guys know any sort of comparison you could make uh, to him, to a current player or former player that anybody out there would kind of recognize? Kind of his gameplay, his style of play. I say I honestly haven't seen him play a okay. ton. Like it's just little. It's really hard to tell from YouTube videos. Like he, he said, he's five eleven. He's little. He can shoot above anything else. Just the fact that he he is a scorer. I wouldn't say he's an absolutely traditional point guard, almost a little bit like a small combo guard. But he fits in nicely to what we need. He's a, you know, be able to get in the paint, create. And the thing is, with or without him, just who we're returning alone makes next year pretty exciting. And he has the potential to be that one missing piece that we felt like we had all this year. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, doing a quick Google search on him, Nathan Baird from the JNC slash Indie Star slash, you know, whoever owns that paper nowadays, um, wrote an article on him late last, about a middle of last month, said he, at this time of writing, was a 40% three-point shooter. That's definitely something we need from our point guard position, um, as as Casey and Drew, I think, both alluded to when we were talking about the uh, Little Rock game. When Johnny Hill was in there at point, you could just see how far they were sagging off of him, just daring him to shoot the ball. So if we can get somebody at the point who is a threat to shoot, that I think could change uh, a lot of what we see from guys like Haas and guys like Biggie um, in the post. So that could be a huge benefit for this team going forward. Uh, yeah, and Edwards is a uh, guy that likes to shoot off the dribble too. So he's more of a pull-up three-point. He doesn't have to, you know, be stationary to hit his shot. Yeah. So so he's a bit different than than Matthias and Klein would be <laughs> as they camp out in a corner and. And wait for their shot. Right. Which, I mean, you know, nothing wrong with camping out in the corner and making your shot. You can you can make a good living in the NBA like that. But, um, you know, it's definitely a different facet that this Purdue team 
does not have. Um, so I think anytime you can add something like that, it definitely can make a difference on your team. Um, is he the only one we have coming in next year? Uh, I think so. We're looking yeah. at a couple others. Um, honestly, yeah. it's going to be a hard sell for anyone besides a project player this year. It's it's probably too much to expect anything other than pie in the sky would probably be to get a big guy with you know long term potential, a lot like uh, what Jaquiel Twait. Taylor was for us last year because we really don't have holes. We we still don't know what's happening with Kendall Stevens. And if he does stay, then we are absolutely loaded at wing. We don't need anyone else. And Haas and Swanigan are going to, I think they'll alternate the five next year. I still don't think Taylor gets on the floor much. Yeah, I don't I don't see that either. I mean, he had so many opportunities this year just in garbage time to get out there, and he still didn't get a ton of minutes. Um, and with Haas and Biggie in front of him at that position, unless he can get a real good jumper in the offseason, I'm not I'm not sure where he fits in uh, next season. Yeah, so, and I mean, I'm actually watching some Carson Edwards video right now. And the, the thing is, really, like his jump shot is smooth. Pull up. He's real comfortable with it. He's got a pretty good left hand. He's not rail thin either, which is nice when you're that short. So he might not get as bullied as a lot of freshmen. But that's a plus. Um, I mean, I know we've seen that because Purdue generally doesn't have the big uh, bulky point guards. I mean, probably the most successful point guard in recent Purdue history is, I mean, Lewis Jackson. And no one could uh, accuse him of being a giant. You know, it's it's definitely something that we've we've worked with in the past. So hopefully he can come in and, and be a bit of an, a leader on offense as far as, you know, running the team how we need it to and and being a threat from the three point line. Now, I know. The, the big thing everybody always says is you see it on Twitter and we got we send it to one another in the group message all the time is, is this Purdue team uh, from next year going to be better than the one uh, with the season that just ended? So will Purdue be better next year than this year? And I think I'm the one that always kind of says no, just yes. because, I mean, I think to me, so many people are, are just discounting what Purdue is losing. I mean, AJ Hammond's is is just such a loss um, for this team. Haas is good, uh, and Biggie is good too, of course, but the way Hammonds can protect the rim, protect the lane, um, finish around the basket um, is something that is not easy to replace. And and Haas is, has been improving vastly over the last two years, but he misses a lot of bunnies a lot of the time. So I think that's something that worries me. And I know Davis didn't have his best year, but, you know, there were games where he really stepped it up and you really saw what he was capable of. And I don't. Not many. Well, you say that, but there really weren't. I mean, he looked looked better at the beginning of the year before that knee injury. Right. But I don't think I always thought his defense was a little overrated anyway. He's got the second lowest offensive rating on our team, and it was atrocious this year. Oh, yeah. I I don't. The Michigan State game was such an aberration. Right. I don't think there is going to be a drop off between what he brings and what Basil brings. I think Basil, Basil's size and athleticism and ability to cut is going to add a dimension, especially with the improvement of Haas passing and Swanigan passing, that we didn't have with Davis because Davis really wasn't a threat at the rim. He didn't have. Yeah, he, he was not a good finisher this season. And the thing about Basil as a freshman that was really impressive is he didn't try to do too much. And that, more than anything else, Davis's attempts to try and carry the offense or force a shot did more harm than anyone but Biggie on the offensive end. And I yeah, think that's fair. That's fair. 
touching on Biggie, he can't play worse than he did this year. <laughs> I don't think his physical capabilities, like his skills and stuff, he literally can't play worse. You were shot twenty nine percent for three. Do what I know for two days but he shot 29 percent from three his offensive rating was 96.1 which is eight points worse than rafael davis's second lowest his turnover percentage you can't turn over the ball more than he did like his turnover rate is 25 percent one out of every four times turning the ball over is that the, wow <laughs> i mean i know he had a lot of turnovers but when you say it like that yeah. That's just depressing almost. Well, the most frustrating thing with that is we kept telling ourselves that oh, we're just going to let him play through it so that he's better in the tournament when we need him. And then we You guys said even, that, not me. And then, <laughs> well, that was the potential benefit of playing a true freshman that many minutes at the beginning of the season. And then we, he didn't play in the end of the, in, in when we needed him in the tournament. And his biggest problem, he just he travels so much. <laughs> I've never seen a player commit so many travels. I just, I don't get it. I don't get he it. He was good in the second half of that game when he was playing, though. He was hitting that, I think he scored six points on three uh, jumpers sort of right there in the lane. Um, and he was handling the boards. I was really surprised to see him sit. I think the hope is if he has anywhere near the jump that Haas had this year, he is going to be a monster. Because Haas, he still has his struggles, but he was so much better this year than last year. And he looks so much quicker. So if Swanigan gets a little quicker, the spacing will be a little better, especially if he plays more five. And I don't know, maybe he'll actually learn to hit a three-point shot. Or just not take three-point shots. Also keep in mind that he's supposed to be a high school senior this year. I mean, yeah, this, true. this was he's true. he's a year ahead. We're talking about a guy that only played three years of high school ball as well. And the other freshman yeah. Klein, I think he's poised to be a stud. I could not have been more impressed. His defense got a lot better towards the end there. I just really like his game, especially with Matthias. If you bring in Basil to play athletic besides him let me let me ask you about klein because he he is one heck of a basketball player uh i think he got a lot better throughout the season like you said what do you think his ceiling is i mean to me he's always obviously the easy comparison to ryan smith um no 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 i he's already better than ryan smith well Oh, no, not Ryan Smith, his senior year. He has to develop his pump fake first if he wants right. to. Right. <laughs> Ryan Klein's pump fake is pretty ugly. Yeah, I'm it's saying I'm saying what what is his ceiling? I mean, R- Ryan Smith, his senior year, I, I don't think anybody would would say was not as good as Klein this year. Klein does more things. Smith didn't turn the ball over, but he also didn't create plays for anyone. I think Klein has a playmaking, like he's one of our better passers. And as a true freshman, that's really impressive. I think Ryan Klein's ceiling is what we thought Kendall Stevens was going to become. You think he could be that good on defense? I, did we ever have that high of expectations for Kendall on defense? I, I mean, I at least I did just based on his length, length. and yeah. how he could go laterally. I mean, I thought he could be kind of a, a stopper on the wing. That hasn't materialized, but I mean, that was my expectation and hope when he came in. The one thing I saw with Klein, especially early in the year, like when we played Florida and Pittsburgh, he fought really hard against bigger guys. So I think he'll do a better job guarding them than the really quick, fast guys. So I think he's he's still got a lot of work to do, but he improved a lot for a freshman, especially guarding you know guys that are running off screens and stuff yeah but he shot you know 38 percent from three this year made 42 of his 109 so that's a lot of attempts for freshmen i just think a lot with like matthias he sees the court better than anyone we've had in a long time 
once he starts getting the reputation he, as a shooter, he's going to be able to catch, give a little pump fake, drive in, and then create looks for big men or, you know, basil cutting. Yeah, I mean, he showed that a little bit this year. I mean, he would he would pump fake and get himself an easier shot or, or find someone streaking through the lane. But what do, you, what do you think, Drew? I heard you jumping in uh, there. I just think his limiting factor is if he's ever going to be a guy that can actually go and get a shot when you need it. Or is he always going to be a guy you've got to run a play for and run off multiple screens? So that's that's sort of the Ryan uh, Smith running off screens and basically just touching the ball for, you know, one second of possession. That's when he yeah, but it. Being or is someone he going to that... be a guy that's going to be able to at least go out and find some shots when the offense needs it. Cause that's really what we've lacked is just somebody, either the two or the three Vince tries to do it to actually just go get a shot outside of having to run our offense. I think that undersells uh, what a good shooter like does to a defense, just the gravity that he has running around screens. And all of a sudden you have three guys that are paying attention to just him because they're afraid of him popping out open. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it does when you have those shooters out there, it opens things up for everybody else. And um, like we talked about, I mean, if we if we would have had a point guard on the court who could be that threat from deep, maybe we would have been able to get Hammonds the ball a little better at the end of that game on Thursday. So I, I kind of just want to wrap this up. Uh, how about a yes or no? Will hold we on, be better? We, if we're going to go and talk about next year's team, we have to at least say the word Vince Edwards. Oh, OK, you well, might yeah. be the player of the year next year. Oh, well, you mean national? No, in the conference. Oh, okay. Ooh, I was, I was, I mean, I love Vince Edwards. He's my, <laughs> he's my player on the team, but man, I thought you were saying national player of the year. I was about to go nuts. Uh, I mean, I think you're, you're absolutely right, but he's got to get in better physical shape because the way painter was riding him, you know, at the end of the season, he was dead at the end of that game. He played 41, 41 minutes in altitude I mean, that's not, though. That, well, yeah. And that's not his fault, but man, he, he looked dead at the end of that basketball game. He had no I just legs. hope I hope we brought in a different coach to teach dribbling than the one that that apparently Rafael Davis worked with this year because that's the one part of Edwards' game he needs to get a little tighter handle and be able to sneak around people a little more. Yeah, he did have some trouble uh, dribbling the ball and and not causing turnovers. So uh, anybody have like a, a pet player they want to mention? Uh, about next season before we jump into kind of final expectations? I think Dakota starts at the two to start the year off, and we'll play big. I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I, I think Dakota, as we've said on here before, one of the best passers on the team, really smart player. I mean, if he can continue to improve in the offseason, I wouldn't have a problem with that. So, yes or no, are we better next year than we were this year? Drew? Yeah. No. Uh, I say we probably put up a similar record and have a similar shot in the tournament this year. This year, I think we lose a lot, but we bring him back uh, enough. I, but I, I think we'll probably be pretty similar to this team, plus or minus two wins. Okay, Casey. Yes, we're better. I think okay. Haas and Edwards both might be top five players in the conference. All right, Juan, what do you think? If our guard play can improve, then. Yes, I would say produce better. But if it remains the status quo, teams are just going to lock down on Haas and Swanigan and dare our guards to shoot the ball if they can't. So maybe I'm erring on the side of I'm a little hesitant to say yes. Uh, that's also just part of me that just is anti. Oh, next year's going to be better. All that mantra that Cubs fans like to repeat all the time. <laughs> um, Travis isn't on here, so I can say anything I want. I used to be a Cubs fan until I went to Purdue and realized I couldn't take any more suffering, so I quit with baseball and them. Uh, <laughs> so I am cautiously optimistic, 
but I'm not getting my hopes up for next season. Okay. I'm kind of of a similar mind of Juan. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. The pieces are going to be there. I think even if Purdue is not a better team next year, I think they'll get further in the tournament than we did this year. But I mean, like we said, going further in the tournament is a crapshoot and doesn't necessarily mean you're the better team, but I think they'll get further in the tournament next year. And they have potential, and they could have a pretty high ceiling. It's just a matter of will they come in? Will the will the new Edwards uh, gel with the team? Uh, and does Vince Edwards continue to improve? And and what steps does the rest of the team take in the offseason? So it could be another exciting year. Um, I mean, I know it's hard to think about after we just watched <laughs> that devastating defeat on Thursday, but – this is what we do as Purdue fans. You know, we we deal with a defeat and we move forward and look ahead. So hopefully we can we can be not so bitter and not so sad this time next year. Hopefully we'll be looking um, at a team that's in the Sweet 16 and maybe looking to make some noise. But there's so many variables that can go into it. It's tough to say at this point. So uh, anybody have any closing thoughts before we shut this baby down? I think as soon as we see the first snap of Purdue football this year, we'll all be very happy to look forward to basketball. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> Anybody else? Any body parts you want to give up now, Juan? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Luckily, he got to keep all of them. So no, no final four run. I, I got to keep my kidneys. Uh, Travis didn't have to give up his testicles. Casey got to keep his nipple. Um, Drew, uh, I'm still going to give it away. I still, yeah, I still want to trade out that knee if it's all possible. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look. We'll look into that for you. You know, we'll see what we can do. So I want to thank everybody for listening. And reminder, if you're on iTunes, rate us, subscribe, um, you know, leave a review. If you're on Stitcher, I don't know anything about Stitcher because I don't use it. Uh, listen to us on SoundCloud. Neither do I. So and I'm the one who so, signed us up for Stitcher. I use Stitcher. It's pretty awesome. All right. So whatever you do, you know, any feedback you have would be appreciated. Listen to us on the site. Leave us a comment. Let us know. You know, we were talking earlier today about what we wanted to do in the off season with this podcast, um, because we don't just want to throw a half an hour of us, you know, being goofballs on Speak on here <laughs> with with no logic to it. So if you guys have ideas for what you want to see with this podcast in the off season, send us an email, shoot us out on Twitter, uh, put something on the website. You know, just let us know, uh, and we'll definitely think about it because we want to keep this going. We want to keep building it. Um, in the off season, but we don't just want to put out crap content. So uh, we appreciate you guys having a listen. Uh, Boiler up, and hopefully we'll all be not as sad here shortly. 